Hello, my friend. You are listening to episode number 43 of Tidepod, and today is one of my favorite types of episodes. Today is one of those days where we get to go behind the scenes and understand someone else's leadership journey. So today we get to chat with Pia Beck. Pia is a coach, CEO, and community generator of Curate Well Co., She helps her clients start and scale service-based businesses with instinctual strategy, systems, and structure. She combines purpose and process to build savvy, streamlined, sensational businesses so her community can make massive aligned and authentic impact and leave a legacy. She believes in a curated life on purpose through sharing your unique gifts. Why am I so excited about today's episode? Like I said, all of these amazing things that Pia does, she does them with the support of a team that she has built herself. And today we are going to get the behind the scenes scoop of what that journey has looked like. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to Pod a podcast crafted by Tiana Tai to help you purify your purpose in business, love, and life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, dog mom, or just getting started, you're bound to find value as Tiana dives into meaningful topics each episode. So settle in, turn up the volume, and welcome your host, Tiana Tai. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. TiePod would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And that was an amazing intro. So thank you for that. <laughs> I love hearing that back. You, you handled it so eloquently. So um, my name is Pia and my business is Curate Wellco. And my journey with entrepreneurship and leadership has taken a lot of different forms. So I you know, grew up just kind of checking all the boxes, doing all the things that I should do. And, you know, I got sensible degrees. I went to a good school. I got jobs that make sense. And I actually entered into the career force, the workforce in HR. So I started in recruiting for tech and startup companies, recruiting software engineers, and then grew into manage kind of an entire HR function for a national startup company. And I was, you know, responsible for that entire function. I was working with my own direct reports on my own team. And then I was also supporting managers across the country. And then they had teams under them in different time zones and different cities. And so my focus was really on helping the business operate at scale from a people operations perspective. And, um, you know, it was great on paper. Like I had reached that like moment of success that I had been working towards and thinking about 
about since like middle school. And I was totally unhappy. I was miserable. I was completely unfulfilled. And there were a lot of things that I was really good at. And there were a lot of things I really liked about my job, but it just didn't feel like I was making a significant impact. And so I started Curate Wellco. I went full-time about 15 months ago with the goal of getting paid really well to do what I was great at and getting to be able to share my gifts with people who could use them to make a really big impact in their own ways. And so that's where I'm at now. We've grown a ton this year. I now have my own team at Curate Wellco again, which is really cool just to kind of feel that come full circle. So I have a team of two other people right now. And one of them just went full time as a W2 employee with benefits and the whole deal um, just about three weeks ago. So um, that feels like a really monumental benchmark. That is incredible because when I think about just like the journey of entrepreneurship and kind of, you know, we all start basically as one woman startups and it's like that really scrappy phase and then we bring on our first person, so on and so forth. And then now to hear that you've actually like made the transition, have the W-2 employee with the benefits, whole shebang, and it's only been about three weeks. So how, how does that feel? How is that going? You know, it's going really well. It feels... um it just feels so fulfilling to like, it feels legit, right? It feels like it's really happening. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm, like I have people it's, you know, like you're building, like you said, like when you're a one woman show, you're really building the culture and you're really building your vision and you're kind of in grind mode and you, you know, you're definitely really scrappy. And so it just feels really monumental to have someone else be like fully enrolled in that and be contributing significantly to it. And it's also a lot of responsibility. You know, it, it I feel that too of like, wow, this other person's, it's not just my livelihood anymore. It's this other persons as well. And so it really has um, held me accountable to fully stepping into my role as CEO. Yes. Okay. So I feel like, first of all, I have so many questions and I feel like our listeners will too, because we always love a good, genuine behind the scenes sneak peek, right? So can you break down for us kind of like the timeline of how all of this played out for you. Like we know that she went uh, W2 like full time just a few weeks ago, but what did the full trajectory of all of this look like for Curate Welco? Yeah, really good question. So I brought on, so I invested in coaches and I outsourced certain things to certain people. Um, really from the beginning, I invested in myself pretty heavily. And so one of the first things that I invested in was a coach to help guide me. I also invested in some courses and then I had someone who was helping me with my accounting and bookkeeping. I really didn't bring on my first uh, like W9 contractor who was really only working for Curate Well Co until the beginning of this year. It was in January of this year. And that person started at five hours a week doing one specific thing for me. And that was it. That was the very first thing that I like felt like I really truly outsourced and then managed myself. And then I slowly started adding people to my team. And so um, I ended up bringing on someone else who eventually took over that role and expanded it and then brought on a second independent contractor. So I had two independent contractors for the majority of this year who were working. Um, you know, they both started at about five hours a week. And just as they got settled, as they got more comfortable, I just added on hours and responsibilities to their bandwidth until they were both doing about 20 hours a week. So contractor, they can work on their own schedule responsible for a very specific set of things at about 20 hours a week. One of those women is still an independent contractor. She's doing about 20 hours a week. And then this other woman um, really just continued to 
involve herself in the company in different ways. Like one of the things I really value is like the figure it out factor and like really full assing things. And she just continued to display those things over and over. And she expressed interest in me in wanting with me in wanting to leave her other full-time job and really not feeling fulfilled and things were just going really well. We had a really natural synergy. We work really well together. And so I honestly just had a lot of really transparent conversations with her. And it was really a co-creation of, okay, if you're going to do this full-time, what is it going to look like? And how is that going to work for both of us? And, um, you know, there were many, many conversations, but largely it was, I just led with, with transparency. I was like, you know, this is the first time that I'm doing this for my own business. Obviously I've done it, you know, many, many times before in my career before starting Curate Wellco. But I was like, I really want this to feel good for both of us. And that was really the priority for me. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love because like what really sticks out to me and what you just said is one leading with transparency and saying, you know, this is where we are. I know we're both interested in like expanding this relationship, but let's talk about what that's going to look like. And then also the fact that it's not like, you know, either of you woke up one day And we're just like, okay, you're going to be full time. And that was the end of the conversation because (laughs) a a lot of times people are, you know, they ask me certain questions. And one of the things that I hear coming up quite a bit is, you know, what happens when I bring on a contractor and they have like five or six other clients and I really want them to be dedicated to my business, but I can't actually bring them on full time. So obviously that's not fair to ask because, you know, people got to pay their bills. You know what I mean? Right. And so you just painted like this really picture you know, beautiful picture of how it can happen over time, as long as those conversations are being had. Totally. And I think one thing, I think I totally relate to what you just said. And one thing that's been really helpful for me is just being really involved in my community. So I think that, you know, as entrepreneurs, I can relate to other entrepreneurs who are running businesses that we may hire on a contract basis. And so I understand that they are running their business and they are fulfilling on their dream. And I respect that. And also true about what you just said is, you know, I really want someone who's invested in my vision and who understands like what Curate Wellco is about and who really wants to be like fully enrolled and have their attention on that. And so one thing that was really supportive for me was being really just involved in my community and just making connections. Like the people on my team are not people who own their own businesses, right? Where they're serving a lot of other people. They have other jobs, they do other things. And like what they do for Curate Wellco, they don't really do for anybody else at this point in time. And so I think that that just really comes from like building long-term relationships and being involved in your community and being being willing and able to look outside of the Instagram bubble that I think we operate in a lot of the time. That part. Oh my goodness. And I have to like very much highlight what you just said, because I feel like this is a conversation that frankly doesn't get had enough in this space. Um, Just based on some of those frustrations that I hear and what you're saying is just really hitting home because it's like, there are other places to look to build our teams. You know what I'm saying? The Instagram bubble is great. Y'all know we both rock with the Instagram bubble. We love y'all to death for those of you listening. Um, But we can also expand kind of our reach and our circle and start reaching out to other people. Absolutely. It's, and, and I think it's, I think you're right. I think it is just like such a huge missed opportunity to, um, to be able to do that just in general for hiring purposes, right? For building your team, but also just like in general in business, like getting off of your phone, getting off of Instagram and like making connections in your community. I think it just serves you in so many ways in your leadership on your team, in your leadership, in your business, and just, you know, in general as a person. 
Yes, I'm I'm very, very happy that you brought this up. I do feel like, I don't know, like like we call it the bubble. I feel like a lot of us kind of get kind of caught in it and it can be difficult to really broaden that that perspective. So this is a really, really good thing to bring up. So I do want to pivot a little bit because you mentioned something just a minute ago and you know it's one of my favorite things you've ever said to me, which is uh your one of your values about like full assness. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like I can't just let that gloss over. So can we have a conversation just about you as a leader and like what your style is and more so what are like the values that are super, super important to your style, but also to your team? Yeah, really, really good question. So I love that you said full assness. So <laughs> the term that, that I use is full assing things. And you really have to embody like a full assness <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, so I love I love the way you said that. I think that's amazing. So I'm a type one on the Enneagram. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Enneagram, if, yeah. if anyone who's listening is familiar with the Enneagram. And so it used to be called the perfectionist and the name has been changed to the reformer. And I think that both come into play in this idea of full assness. And so I am constantly striving to do things better. Um, that's that's the reformer in me. I really see the possibility. I see what's possible. I believe in people and what they can do. And for me, it's just this ongoing effort of continuing to refine things over time. I have a really hard time feeling like things are ever completely done. I think that things can feel complete for a certain amount of time at a certain time. And I'm just always seeing opportunities to make things a little bit better. And so the idea of full assing things really comes from doing things to completion and really giving 100%, 110% in what we do. And that's distinct from things having to be perfect. So perfectionism is something that I've struggled with in the past. I'm sure a lot of listeners have struggled with in the past. And that's not what I mean by full assing things. Mistakes are going to happen. Things things happen. And we're not going for 100% perfection. And though what we are going for is like really using your critical thinking, really being intentional and mindful about what you're doing and why and really just doing things to completion. And so I want to be able to look back on anything that we put out and ask ourselves, did we really do the best we could? And if the answer is yes, amazing. If the answer is no, we didn't full ass that thing. Yes, I love it. It's like my favorite. I, I want it on a t-shirt. Like my favorite thing in the whole world. I was like, I, and I just so you know, I've definitely like spoken about you a few times since then. And I'm like, I know this woman, and basically, <laughs> one of her core values is full assing stuff. So core values are just the best thing in the world, and they don't have to be stuffy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have kind of more formal core values. And the way that I define those formal labels is with terms like this that we can really relate to and get behind and get excited about. I'm telling you, look, if someone outside of your organization basically wants a t-shirt of your core values, I feel like <laughs> it's probably pretty natural to live them in your actual business. So yes. kudos to that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So tell me, like, let's dive a little bit deeper into like some of the things that you've learned along this leadership journey, because it's not, you know, it doesn't look the same for everybody. Right. And I love the fact that I don't feel like a year is that long to have had one contractor and then expand to two and then kind of make the transition into one going full time. Like that's mm -hmm. a pretty good trajectory. But I'm interested in just sort of like the lessons and some of the messy stuff. You know what I'm saying? That you've learned yeah. along the way. 
Oh, totally. So I think my biggest learning lesson has just been um, just a reminder that like other people don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> like when you are uh, an entrepreneur and a solopreneur and you are the person who is building your dream from the ground up, you just know so much. And I think we don't give ourselves credit for that. We don't realize how much we know until someone else is involved and they're like, what? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, what does this mean? And so it's been, I think, a huge learning lesson for me. And and something I continue to relearn like week over week is just that people can't read my mind. People aren't in my experience. Um, My team is not me. They're not the CEO of their business. This isn't their creation from the ground up. And so I really need to be good about communicating thoroughly, about having a ton of compassion and understanding, about asking the right questions, about documenting like all the things, document everything, everything. (laughs) And like really just um, having a continual process of setting people up for success and like downloading everything that happens like moment to moment for me in my day so that I can really support other people in playing an effective role in the business. Amen to that. Like, I love that you're like document absolutely everything. And then I'm thinking back to your bio and like, I, you know, just me knowing you about how involved you are with strategy systems and structure. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a PA answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it just my my team is, um, you know, we all we all work remote. And so technology is a beautiful thing. And it also makes communication a little bit more challenging. And so having like super organized systems in place is it just I think it just really sets us up for success. Um, I have a a mentor who says that transformation is 95% logistics. And I just think it's totally true. Um, I like to think about it as like a hierarchy of needs where the logistics have to be in place as the foundation so that we're really available for that other 5% where the transformation happens. Ooh, yes. And this is a really good, good transition point because I was just thinking back to a conversation that you and I had um, a while back and we were kind of talking about the, you know, like management versus leadership and what comes to play when. And I feel like that really connects to that concept as well. So can you speak to that for us from your perspective? Yeah, totally. So I think that, um, you know, one thing I'm always striving for that, again, I think is another like learning lesson, and it's not something I've like mastered by any means, is not managing people, <laughs> right? So I like, we want to have our team be able to contribute at their full capacity, whatever that looks like. And we want to have things running really smoothly. And we want to make sure that things are done the way that we want them to be done. And managing people is really draining, right? I think it's a, and and you can probably speak to this more Mm -hmm. more than I can, but it's a pretty outdated model of like hiring managers whose job is literally just to like manage people rather than fulfill on like the bigger function of where they fit into the organization. And so my goal is not to manage or micromanage my team. I really want to like create the system, write the SOP, do any training that needs to happen so that they have everything they need to be able to do it of their own volition and have that autonomy and agency over their hour, their day, their week, and have that like really working for the greater goal of the business. 
My favorite word, my favorite A word, autonomy. Yes. I think that's such a unique and valid perspective that you just gave. I don't hear a lot of people speaking about, you know, just like bringing on their team and quote unquote, basically unmanaging or allowing them to self-manage themselves in that capacity. People normally don't talk about it that way. And I love this perspective. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's challenging. Like, I won't say that it, that it all goes smoothly all the time. <laughs> like, I think it sounds really nice. And, and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, going back to what you're saying about like the messy piece, like the behind the scenes of that is like, there are hiccups. There are things that fall through the cracks. Like there is like trust and communication that has to be built and that's not happening every moment of every day. And so I think that there's also a practice in, in alignment with that, um, like kind of running parallel that is really Really like circling back on things and revisiting them and talking about them and integrating them and then adjusting whatever logistics need to be adjusted so that it doesn't happen again. Right. Just like keeping that communication channel totally open, especially. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm wondering, like for you, how has it been, you know, working with such an intimate team? And I don't know, I feel like for entrepreneurs, especially, it's not like corporate at all in terms of typically when we're hiring in a corporate setting and building teams, like all of this systemic structure, all of that stuff has been in place and was put in place Mm -hmm. by someone else um, before we ever even really think about building the team. But Mm -hmm. did, did a lot of that work for you look like it was happening kind of in tandem? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good distinction. I'm so glad that you called that out because I think you just put language to something that I, I, I've definitely experienced, which is, yeah, like when you are an entrepreneur and you're running an online business or a small business or a lean business, not everything is like done yet. Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> And so I, you know, I think that I definitely rely on my team to some extent to help me co-create what that's going to look like. So it is to some extent done. There is something in place, whether that is just a vision or KPIs or a benchmark, or there is a basic process that maybe just needs to be documented or like there's usually something. And I think what's really important in hiring for your team as an entrepreneur is really um, vetting for and having open conversations about that and just saying like, hey, this isn't perfect. This isn't boxed up in a beautiful little gift box with a bow, like ready for you to just kind of check all the boxes. Like you're going to have to use critical thinking skills. You're going to have to be present. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to ask me questions and tell me what you don't understand so that we can really like co-create this structure together. And so I think it's really important to hire people who are um, aware of that and, and excited by that and want to make that really significant contribution. Such a good call out. And I feel like like listening to you say that you did truly, honestly, Pia, like kudos to you. And I know you have the background in HR and all that, which is why we vibe so well. But like kudos to you for hiring people who really were a good fit in that way. Um, tell me like, did, and I could be missing something, but did you guys ever have kind of any hiccups in that area of them kind of thinking things were going to be packaged with the bow and that wasn't the reality or did they truly know from the jump? Like, this is what it is. Yeah, I, I would say we definitely had some hiccups. You know, I think that we can be as transparent as possible. We can have all the conversations, but until someone is really in it, sometimes there's just not that like full understanding. So on my team, we've definitely had some, some 
like opportunities where we've had to have conversations around like, hey, this isn't just a check the box, do the task and move on to the next thing. This is like a like ask me the follow up question or tell me what's not working about this or this thing fell through the crack. Let's talk about why. Um, And so I think that it it definitely wasn't 100 percent smooth. And I think we can do so much at the start to really set that expectation. And going back to my first point, people aren't us. They don't know us. They're not inside our heads. And so as much as we can like really openly communicate about that, I think that once they really are kind of in the space, it is like a continual conversation. Um, and, and, uh, an effort that really needs to kind of come from, from everybody. It's a collective effort. Yes. And speaking of continual conversation, because obviously like back to your original point, which is I'm trying to create like an autonomous team culture where they have the systems, they have the structure, they're fully empowered. Right. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is at some point, yeah, some of that management, some of that coaching, some of that leadership does have to come into play. Right. Like we have to be comfortable to have these conversations. So. This episode is brought to you by Interact. Remember those BuzzFeed quizzes like, what type of ice cream are you? Yeah, Interact is a tool for creating quizzes just like those. Except it also acts as a way for your business to generate leads and build that oh-so-important email list. I use it to host my quiz, What's Your Enneagram Leadership Type? With hundreds of ready-made templates and the option to create unlimited quizzes from scratch, you will literally have hundreds of opportunities to attract the right clients, especially new ones. Don't miss out on this beautiful opportunity to grow your business in a fun and unique way. You can sign up for Interact today by heading on over to the show notes and getting a link to create your first quiz for free right now. That's right. I said it is free 99 to create your first quiz. It doesn't get much better than that. Again, you know me. I like to get all up in your business. Um, (laughs) I love it. I'm curious because like earlier you mentioned, you know, that management model where like Pia is not just someone's boss or someone's manager or someone's leader. Like you very much are invested in your business. You're very much invested in your community, which is why so many people look up to you. So I'm curious, has there ever kind of been... I don't know, like a power struggle or a like time resource energetic struggle between your role as someone's boss leader manager and your role as Pia, the, you know, the community nurturer, like that person that everyone's looking to. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think this balance is something that all entrepreneurs experience in some aspect, right? It's working in your business versus working on your business. That's, I think, how people refer to it a lot of the time. And I think what really has helped me is just making sure that I am like carving out the time and holding my team accountable to certain touch points. So we have an open line of communication on Slack. We're talking to each other all day, every day. Um, And in the interest of transparency, they can see my entire schedule. So not just free busy, but like if they want to, like I've given them access, they can see what I'm doing kind of all the time. And so if they, if I'm not responding to them right away, they, they can see why and they can understand that. And we also carve out like really intentional time. So we meet every single Monday at the same time, no matter what. And that is our opportunity to get face to face with each other for 45 ish minutes and talk about anything that we can't handle on Slack or that we need to have a conversation about or that we need to just touch base on. And so really just carving out that time and treating it as like a true commitment, I think is really helpful. And then I also try to 
really carve out both one-on-one time and group time with my team for the purposes of just developing them and just having conversations that are going to benefit all of us. And so maybe that does look like just telling them something about the business, like training them on something that I would usually like do with my clients so that they really understand if they're creating copy or if they're creating deliverables or something like that so that they have the full context and they actually know what that conversation looks like when I'm having it with somebody else. Um, It looks like providing them with um, just like resources and materials and, and allowing, carving out the time for them to consume those. So I think kind of just tying all of this together, for me, it really comes down to like scheduling opportunities for me to be with my team and or scheduling into their schedule time for them to do what they need to do in order to be fully set up for success. That part, there are so many aspects of what you just said that like I'm buzzing about. So first of (laughs) all, not to let us gloss over the fact that we're meeting once a week and we're also scheduling time to connect with them as individual humans. That just made my heart so happy. I know it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think is the first thing to fall through the cracks because we have so much to do and there's so many tasks and there's deadlines and there's deliverables and commitments and all of the things. And so, you know, I understand like why that isn't something that always happens. And, you know, even for me, sometimes what I experience is when I'm doing that, I have that tug of like, oh, is this the best way to be spending my time? Or like, oh, is this Mm -hmm. the best way to be spending their time? And that, that continues to creep in for me, like just to be totally honest. And if I can be fully present in that, it just does wonders for them and for me and for our relationship and for our and for the business in a way that like maybe is not like directly immediately tied to revenue. Like it's not a revenue generating activity. And yet it serves this really like intangible, powerful, like energetic and culture building like sense in the business that I think continues to pay off over time. Absolutely. And like, let's be clear about it. I th- This is just my personal opinion, but I think it's a lot easier to pre-schedule meetings and realize, okay, we don't really have much going on and yada, yada, yada. So maybe mm-hmm. this one week we can let it go and just check in via Slack. Like we will be okay. Versus yeah. trying to get on everybody's calendar sporadically every couple of weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Amen to that. Playing schedule Tetris is literally one of my least favorite things in the entire world. I am such a huge advocate of scheduling things really consistently and ahead of time versus trying to schedule and match up availability and on a weekly basis. Like I I just can't, I don't have the patience for that. I can't do it. (laughs) Right. And I, I do know that you've intentionally, like the way that you hired your team members don't have quite as many commitments as maybe some other people's teams that I'm familiar with. But Mm -hmm. I would say like, this is especially relevant if you are working with contractors who maybe have, Mm -hmm. you know, five or six other clients. We can't just assume that Monday mornings at 9am is going to work if you randomly message them on like Thursday night and be like, hey, (laughs) let's touch base Monday at nine. They're going to be like, um, I actually have four other team meetings. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's such a good point. Like, let's just call it what it is. We got to be transparent about this stuff. Oh, so good, Bia. Thank you. Okay. So I think the last question I have for you, and it makes me so sad that I'm already on my last question, but just from your perspective, the advice that you would give someone who's in your shoes, let's back it up to like 
right before you hired that first contractor about a year ago or so? Like, what advice would you give that person who's about to kind of start this journey? Mm, Okay, I have a few pieces of advice. So number one is to hire before you're desperate. (laughs) So bringing someone onto your team, getting them onboarded when like you already have a fire under your butt and things are already chaotic and you already feel like you're drowning is just going to be so much more stressful. And it's really going to impact how you set the tone for that relationship moving forward. And so my recommendation is to hire when things are actually like fairly calm so that that person has time to get ramped up and you can really foster your relationship and get them onboarded and have them kind of in place and comfortable before things are like, you know, really hitting the fan. So I think that's the first piece of advice I have is, you know, don't be afraid to hire a little bit early um, versus when you are like in the thick of it. The second thing that I have advice around is to understand the benefits of having someone else do something. So I know that kind of broaching that first hire can feel really intimidating. And you're like, ah, can I afford this? Do like, is this actually going to make a difference? Should I like, I think there's a, I think there's kind of that like barrier to entry. And the way that I would encourage everyone to think about it is by you doing that thing that you could hand off to somebody else, how is that actually taking away from your business? How is that preventing you from doing something else that is that you are more equipped to do that someone else maybe can't do, or that is really going to help you kind of take the next leap into the next level of your business. Um, I think that just kind of weighing the impacts of you doing it versus somebody else doing it can be a really good way to just conceptualize that. And then the third thing I would say is that I think that we make this to be really big in our head when, you know, my first hire was five hours a week. And so that really did not significantly impact the bottom line of my business. Um, it was enough support that it freed up that time for me. And I was able to fill that time with things that really made a big difference in my business. And it, it wasn't as much of a... um it wasn't as much overhead as I think we think it is in in our head. So that's the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to start someone small with the option for for that their role, their responsibilities, their time commitment, um, and your investment to grow over time. So good, y'all. I hope you like very much took that in. That was such good advice, <laughs> especially, you know, just like when you're first starting out on this journey, it really can be quite overwhelming. So I love to hear it from your perspective, Pia, as someone who has recently basically thrived through the journey and like, you know, had, you know, everyone has a couple of hiccups, but you have come out just like rocking and rolling and it makes me so happy. Okay, this was so, so good. So I would love if you could tell the Tipod crew where they can find you and connect with you because they're probably as obsessed with you as I am. The best place to find me is on Instagram. That's really the hub of where all the fun stuff happens. And our handle is CurateWellCo, all one word, all lowercase. And that's the best place to connect with us right now. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know this conversation was a long time coming and it did not disappoint. So I genuinely appreciate you, you know, feeding into the Tide Pod community like this today. Thank you so much for having me, Tiana. This was awesome. This was such an, a great conversation. Every time we talk, I just feel so energized and I just absolutely love chatting with you. So thank you so much for having me. 